What's up, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena with Mac and Griff. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my co-host, Mac Rommel. And today, we've got another special episode on our hands. going to be different. Obviously, there's no football this week. There's no games. The Super Bowl next week will be played by the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'd just like to point out that I correctly predicted that in our bracket thing that we did a few weeks ago. So a little pat on the shoulder there. But um, today we're going to be doing some NFL awards, NFL honors coming up a few, uh, I believe it's the day before the Super Bowl, night before the yep. Super Bowl. We're going to do it this week uh, just because we thought it'd be a fun thing to do. So we're going to start with that and then we'll talk about the Super Bowl a little bit, start previewing that obviously next week and we'll be our big, big discussion on that. Um, so yeah, Mac, you ready to uh, give some awards out to some of these guys? What are you thinking? Let's here? do it. Let's see. Let's see who we got, uh, get, got getting some of these awards. Let's go. All right. So we will start, we've got, you know, in order here so we're going to start with the mvp so mac who is your mvp for the national football league for the 2020 season all right so this one's tough for me especially you know there's one guy in mind i love him but as we know this award has been a quarterback award who i want to win it derrick henry who's gonna win it the bad bad man aaron Rodgers. i mean this was a historic season, still up there in age, I believe 37 years old, throwing for fewer than five interceptions. Uh, I mean, just a historic season for him at this age, leading the team to the NFC Championship. Uh, just overall a great season. Other contenders could be Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, but right now I think Aaron Rodgers uh, really solidified himself for that MVP spot, especially with the amount of uh, the small amount of turnovers that he uh, had this year. I am also going to give my MVP award to Aaron Rodgers. And I think the stats just speak for themselves. He led the Packers to a 13-3 record. It's the best in the NFC. You know, 4,299 yards, seventh in the league. That's, you know, his lowest. But you look at all the other stats, 70.70 completion percentage first, 48 passing touchdowns first, only threw for five interceptions, QBR 84.3 first. So he is leading the league in almost every stat passing. And like you said, this really, really tends to be a quarterback's award unless you see a truly, truly historic season from another player. Um, but that's not going to be the case here. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers. He deserves it too. Uh, someone who gets uh, underlooked a lot. It feels like, you know, people always, I don't know. I don't know if they, you know, I, I don't know if it's like, I'm trying to think of the word. I don't think people are underrating him, but just like, just not including him in the top of the top discussion at times. And I think this year he, he reestablished yep. himself and, and, and proved that he is up there as, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the National Football League. So I will also give my MVP to Aaron Rodgers. Now we will move to coach of the year. Uh, I would say some finalists probably, you know, you got Sean McDermott from the Bills. Mm -hmm. They had a great year. Kevin Stefanski from the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, fantastic year there. Uh, maybe Brian Flores, Miami. I mean, you could kind of go – a lot of different routes here. So, Mac, which route did you go? Who do you have taking home the Coach of the Year award? I'm going with your man from Cleveland, Ohio, Kevin Stefanski. I mean, he led this team to the playoffs. I mean, that's unheard of for the Cleveland Browns. Absolutely <laughs> unheard of in 18 years. He does it this year in his first year uh, as the head coach for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he went, especially in his first playoff game, he went to the Steelers and he beat the crap. Well, technically he did. I, technically he didn't. Well, yep. <laughs> but he coached up the team, you know. He held them prepare, yeah. yeah, yeah yep, exactly. yep, yep. But, I mean, you see the development of Baker Mayfield especially, that big step we were looking to take. I, uh, 
coming into the season, you know, I wasn't too sure, too sold on him. And as the season went on, I've become really sold on him. I think he's a quarterback that, that could get it done. And this year, he kind of been able to do that. He's looking almost like an elite quarterback, to say the least. Top 10 is what I'm thinking right now, but uh, he may have posted career low in passing yards, but every other stat has been great. He's been much more effective in this team. They're finding their leaders and uh, they're really coming together and banding together. And I think that's all due uh, to Kevin Stefanski. I'm also giving mine to Kevin Stefanski. First time the Browns make the playoffs since 2002. That alone is an accomplishment, but it wasn't just they snuck in like in the NFC, you see the Bears going like in name again. And no, they went 11 and five and they had a hard time making the playoffs. They won a playoff game. You can say he wasn't coaching, but it still doesn't matter. He's preparing all week. He's, you know, laying the fundamentals for that. You know, like you just talked about, he turned Baker Mayfield. He turned his career around. You know, he goes from 21 interceptions to eight. He, you know, Baker's learning. Uh, the system is perfect for him. And, you know, the system they're running there with the play action and the run uh, is perfect. It's, it's a fantastic system. It works perfectly with their team with the three tight ends they got there and the fantastic offensive line and obviously the superstar running back duo. So, you know, this is what people need to see. This is what the Browns need to do. And uh, you just see a really well-made team, a team that's going to be back next year, even stronger. They'll get OBJ back, maybe make some additions to that defense. They somehow always still have like $70 million in cap. It <laughs> yeah. makes no sense, but um, they do. So uh, we'll see what happens there. I expect the Browns to come back very, very strong next year and be a very solid competitor. But Kevin Stavansky, congratulations. You will likely be winning this award. Now on to Offensive Player of the Year we'll go to. I think I know where Max going. Uh, I also kind of think uh, this one should be unanimous, really. So Offensive Player of the Year, Mac. What are you taking here? I, I think I think I mean, the fans all know. This this is self-explanatory. It, it's Derrick Henry. He put up historic numbers over two thousand yards. I mean, that's the eighth player to ever do that. I mean, and especially you're looking at some of these stats: five two hundred yard rushing games since 2016. I believe that's the most in NFL history over an entire career <laughs> in his first five years. I mean, this kid is a monster. Three this year. Yeah, three this this year especially. I mean. He's just a beast. You're looking at those stiff arms. This guy makes plays with his legs, with his arms, with his strength, and he put up the stats this year. He dominated the entire league, 17 rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, I mean, this is this is pretty easy for everyone. Yeah, you kind of put it perfectly there. I'm also giving it to Derek. Uh, yeah, you kind of – I mean, all my notes I got on the screen here, you basically just read off, you know, 2,000, uh, 27 yards, 17 touchdowns, you know, historic in that, only eighth player to ever – have 2K rushing yards. And yeah, like you said, the, the 200 plus rushing yard games, is, it's just so impressive. It's crazy what this guy is able to do. So congratulations, Derek Henry, historic season. Now we'll go to one that I don't think is, is as um, easy to say. I think there's a lot of contenders for this one. And that is the defensive player of the year. Uh, I mean, you've got guys like TJ Watt, Aaron Donald, you've got Xavier Howard, 10 interceptions. He had a fantastic year. You could always, you know, find ways to get, um, you know, guys like I mean, who DeForest Buckner in there? You know, there's a ton of options here. Um, so, Mac, who are you taking for your defensive player of the year? Uh, I'm taking Aaron Donald. I mean, it, this guy, he's trying to get his, uh, I believe it's his fourth defensive player of the year award. He's a monster. You're looking at other players like a TJ Watt leading the league in sacks, but Aaron Donald, he puts up 13 and a half. He's getting double teamed every single game. He's the most dominant uh, defensive player in the NFL for years. He's been the most dominant player in the NFL for years. And, uh, uh, 
I expect nonetheless for him to win this award, 13 and a half sacks, as I said, and then 45 tackles. I mean, that's kind of unheard of from defensive tackles. You don't see players getting that many sacks at that specific position, and especially the tackles for loss. This guy, he makes plays all over the field. Uh, he gives it his all on, on every single play, and I think that's what's really special about this guy. Give me the first one we don't agree on. I am giving the award to TJ Watt. Uh, TJ had a fantastic year, led the league in sacks with 15, uh, led the league in tackles for loss as well with 26. The next closest was 20, I believe, Hassan Reddick and, and Aaron Donald. So that's a pretty big margin. TJ also only played 15 games. He sat out that last game of the season. So that's all, you know, leading all the league and that stuff and not even playing 15, 16 games is, is really impressive. He's the leader of that 12 and 4 Steelers defense. He's a superstar. Uh, one interception, one forced fumble as well. Um, so the stats are all there. I mean, Aaron Donald, fantastic season as well. But um, to me, you got to give it to TJ Watt. You know, you can't really get caught up in the in the double team and, and that kind of nature because, uh, you know, TJ Watt's not just running free to the quarterback. You know, it's not like these guys are ignoring TJ Watt. So I'm going to give it to TJ Watt. Um, audio bugged out there for a second. I apologize if, if that is an inconvenience there. But, yeah, I'm going to give it to TJ Watt. I think he uh, he's well-deserving of it. And, and a fantastic season from him. So that's who I'm going to go with there. Offensive rookie of the year. Uh, this one is likely from what I've seen between the two Justins, Justin Jefferson, Justin Herbert. Um, maybe there's, you know, I'm trying to think really who else could, could be with those guys. It's, it's kind of hard to put another guy up there with those two. Um, so, I mean, which Justin are you taking? Are you taking Justin Herbert or Justin Jefferson? You know, Justin Jefferson, he put up his uh, he put up some great numbers this his rookie season, some of the best all time for the Vikings. But I have to go with the quarterback, Justin Herbert. I mean, it's it's rare that and it takes a while, I should say, to find your quarterback uh, of the future and your franchise quarterback. And the uh, Chargers, they came out, they did it this year. I mean, you're looking at all the other quarterbacks that were in that draft class, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa. And you take Justin Herbert, who everyone wasn't really sure of, wasn't really sold on. And you guys knew it. You took him. And he came and he balled out. He played 15 games and he set the rookie uh, passing touchdown record at 31. And he also limited uh, his interceptions to only 10, a three to one touchdown interception radio. I mean, this kid, I mean, what's there to say about him? You found a, fr a franchise quarterback and I, I have high hopes for this kid. He's definitely going to win the Steven Super Bowl in the future. I'm going Justin Jefferson here. A bit of a sneak uh, one. I know he's not the favorite, but. I was really impressed with Justin Jefferson. He's fourth in the NFL with 1,400 receiving yards. He had 88 receptions, seven touchdowns. So the stats are there. He set the rookie record for most receiving yards. He passed Anquan Bolden's 1377. And to me, I think it's interesting because obviously Herbert only played 15, 15 games. So you assume he would have broken the, uh, the passing yards record. But since he didn't, I honestly think Jefferson breaking the receiving yards is more impressive for me, at least, than the touchdowns and all the other stuff. I just feel like the touchdowns, like 31 is a great number, but I feel like that's so much more attainable than getting 1,400 receiving yards as a wide receiver as a rookie. I don't know. I just think, you know, you look at that offense, they're kind of set up perfectly for Herbert to have success. Well, you look at, you know, Justin Jefferson, nothing's guaranteed for this guy. He comes in week one, he's going to be the second receiver, but you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you look at Stephon Diggs, he's been great there, but he wasn't this good. This was a historic season. Justin Jefferson, for me, uh, you know, what a, what a superstar he is. Uh, I mean, I can't believe, you know, teams like the Eagles took Jalen Rager over him. It just, you know, you question the decisions at times, but I'm giving it to Justin Jefferson, but both guys I think are equally deserving. They both had historic, historic rookie seasons that will live on for years to come. 
Now on the flip side of the ball, defensive rookie of the year. This one is is honestly a little like no defensive rookies yeah. really went out there and had like a crazy year. Like it was kind of just some solid years. You obviously got Chase Young, Jeremy Chin, uh, two big rookie names there that had great years. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys who had great years. Um, I'm kind of blanking right now. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I think we're both going with one of those guys. So what are you thinking here, defensive rookie of the year? Yep, I think Jeremy Chan, Chase Young right now. I mean, it's Chase Young. It took him at two overall, second overall, I should say. He's been dominant. His stats may not even reflect how dominant he was. You see the amount of pressure he's getting on the quarterbacks, how fast he's getting off the line of scrimmage. He just does everything so well to make an offense and a quarterback uncomfortable. And his stats, I mean, as I said, his stats don't even reflect how well he played. He got seven and a half sacks still. He had 44 tackles, and he had four forced fumbles. And I think that's a key stat right there. Turning the ball over is key to winning games, and he does that from the defensive end position. I mean, Chase Young, he's a beast and a generational talent. I'm going to give a Chase Young here, too. Um, you know, I mean, you look at Jeremy Chin. He had a good year, but, you know, that, that one game where he had the two touchdowns or whatever really, really padded, you know, what he was doing. Uh, he had a great year nonetheless. But, yeah, I'm going to go Chase Young here. I think he was the most dominant rookie. And the stats are solid. I mean, seven and a half sacks, the four forced fumbles, like you said, is really ridiculous. And then he had a touchdown, too. So um, no one really went out there and put crazy stats on the board on the defense. But did I believe Chase did lead the league uh, in sacks for rookies. So, you know, defensively, he was probably the best guy out there as a rookie. And uh, I think he'll only continue to improve. So Chase Young, congratulations uh, on the defensive rookie of the year. And then this next award, the last one out of the main awards, I guess, oh, we should have done the Walter Payton. We could have done that one yeah. too. We totally forgot. But I mean, I guess that one's like so weird and yeah, it's hard not to really like, yeah, it's hard to predict. So um, whatever, but comeback player of the year. This one, I mean, it's easy. It's Alex Smith. Uh, I'll let you go into why it is Alex Smith with uh, probably the easiest decision in NFL history. I mean, this is easy. I mean, just saying he even played a game would have gave him comeback <laughs> player of the year, honestly. Yeah. yeah. 17 surgeries, almost lost his life over that leg injury. He comes back and he leads the football team to a five. Uh, what was it? How many wins? Was he went five and one. one? Yeah. yeah, five and one record. I mean, he balled out. He put up good numbers, almost 1,600 yards, six touchdowns. He played great. And uh, he really carried the football team to the playoffs. Uh, and then they got Taylor Heineke, of course, in there uh, due to that injury. But if Alex Smith was in there, I mean, what could he have done? Could he have even somehow pulled that away? I don't know. I don't, about know. That. I don't, know. I don't know. But your, your, your hate for the bus is riding <laughs> strong still. <laughs> but that five-on-one record really tells it all. Come back after that uh, that de- devastating injury and almost losing his life and just playing a game was outstanding. It's easily Alex Smith. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, You know, if he played – once he came in that one game, you know, it's mm-hmm. his award literally should be named after him. <laughs> and then he goes five and one and leads the team to the playoffs. I mean, that, talk about crazy. Um, yep. I mean, you can look at the stats all you want. 1,600 yards, about six touchdowns, eight interceptions. It doesn't matter um, yep. what he did. Just the record itself speaks speaks volume. And, and, you know, what a leader, what a great person. Great story. You saw his family throughout the year supporting. So happy for him. And, and you just got to be uh, – it just really makes you feel good when you see something like that. So, Alex Smith, congratulations. Uh, you know, I actually saw some of the day. I think he wants to keep playing. So yep. hopefully you can find that job. I don't know if, if he'll end up starting somewhere, but I mean, maybe he'll be a backup and get another chance. Who knows? But congratulations, Alex Smith. He's had a fantastic career. And uh, this achievement is, is, is incredible. It's incredible that he, 
that he's that he's done it. So, so that does it for the regular awards. But we have come up with three OTA awards that we're going yep. to give out, and that is best regular season game, the biggest fantasy bust, and the most underrated player in the NFL. So we'll start with the best regular season game. And I'm going to start with you, Mac. Which one are you taking? There's a lot of good ones. There was the Browns, Ravens. Uh, we saw some Dolphins, Raiders. We saw Colts, Packers. We saw Bucks, the Bucks and the um, the Chiefs had a good one. The Chiefs and the Saints had a good one. A lot of good games this year. So uh, I don't know if you're taking any of those, but what are you taking here? I'm going with this one. It's the Browns and the Ravens game on Monday Night Football late in the season. This game was undoubtedly, for me, the best game of the season. You go, you see Lamar going into the locker room. Everyone's saying he's taking a crap. Comes back and leads <laughs> to the win. It ended 47-42 Ravens. As I said, Lamar went to the locker room and came back and led the Ravens to the win. And in the final six and a half minutes of the game, they got a combined 27 points. That's how high-flying these offenses were and how fast they were getting points and scoring in the in the fourth quarter of this game, trying to get a win and uh, make a push for the playoffs. Marquise Brown, uh, everyone probably remembers this, but on that fourth down, goes down, gets that 44-yard touchdown inside two minutes. And then right away, Baker Mayfield to Kareem Hunt about 40 seconds or something like that later, come down, score, get another touchdown. Then the Ravens, they drive down. Lamar Jackson's making plays. They get in field goal range. Justin Tucker wins the game on a 55-yard field goal. But overall, you look at the stats for both these quarterbacks and teams. Lamar Jackson, this is one of the games we were highlighting uh, after this game was played. And Lamar Jackson looked like his MVP form from last year. He put up 124 rushing yards on nine carries and two two rushing touchdowns. And then in the past game, 163 still. Just absolutely dominant this game. And he missed a ton of the game. Yep, yep, he did. That's what's really special about this. He comes out. I don't even know what he was doing in the locker room still. And <laughs> I mean, it's just beyond the world's me. greatest myth. Yep. And then we're seeing no players like man. Mark Andrews. I mean, have a big game. We were saying, or we kept on saying that maybe he needed a backup. He needed a player like a Hayden Hurst to have good stats. He had a decent game with 78 yards. And on the other hand, for the Browns, you're seeing Baker Mayfield make some plays. Almost 350 rush. I mean, passing yards. I've been saying if that was rushing. But <laughs> <laughs> he was making plays. And then you're looking at a player like Kareem Hunt. Didn't do as much in the run game. Only 33 yards on six carries. But 77 receiving yards. And you're looking at some of these underrated players like Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins making some plays. And I think that's what made this game so, so special no doubt a great game I mean when you see 89 points in a in a regular season game it's, it's something special but I'm gonna go somewhere different with this I'm gonna go Dolphins Raiders week 16 Saturday night the Dolphins win 26 25 mm-hmm. great game I mean the Raiders kind of had control I mean it was kind of back and forth uh you know Tua had 94 passing yards so you know the Dolphins are bringing in Fitz late uh, you know, drives that team downfield. They tie the game up with 16 with four minutes to go about. And then you see Derek Carr bombing one out to Aguilar, who actually recently came out and the reports surfaced that after this game, he was basically saying like, no one holds accountability. Like you guys suck after this game. So really interesting to see what will happen with him. He's afraid and doubt he'll be going back to Vegas, but um, yeah. So he bombs one out 320 to go. Then Gaskin comes in and he scores a 55 yard plus receiving touchdown. They got three to go. And then this is where it kind of got crazy. The Raiders get that huge, huge pass interference call. Uh, they get into the red zone. And then we see Josh Jacobs sliding at the one with about, oh, is my, is my wife dead? 
my Wi-Fi just like. Yeah. I think it's still recording. All right, I'll just restart that whole thing. I'll have to edit. Right. That was so weird. I just like froze, and it, I guess it connected to my printer's Wi-Fi or something. I don't know. I was, I just was like, I saw you frozen. Special. I, I don't know. Somehow there's like it goes like it can connect to the printer or some shit. I don't know. All right. Um. Jesus fuck. <laughs> you completely froze the time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, imagine he's tossing it back to me. <laughs> you know, like, Maggie, like, what do you think? <laughs> all right. Well, um, all right. Definitely a great game there. Uh, just had some technical difficulty. So this is going to be the second time I go through this game. But we are going Dolphins Raiders 26 25, week 16, Saturday night. Raiders kind of had control for most of this game. Uh, you know, Tua was doing nothing. He was held to 94 passing yards. So Fitzmagic comes in late. You know, you're, you're marching with like eight minutes, seven minutes. He's marching down that field. They finally get in range of the red zone. They, they missed a few. They dropped a few balls. I believe the tight end dropped one. So they have to take their points. It's tied 16 all now. And you see freaking Derek Carr just bombs one out to Aguilar, who uh, I don't know if Mac heard this when I said it earlier, but uh, – <laughs> did come out with some comments basically calling out his team saying they didn't try that they suck uh, after the game which is interesting uh doesn't seem like he'll return there uh after uh you know he is a free agent so doesn't seem like nelson aguilar will be a vegas raider for much longer but he gets that big touchdown but then gaskin right away it's like 20 seconds gets a 55 yard plus uh, receiving touchdown that one was crazy he, he ran all over the place and then you get the raiders getting the ball and they get that they throw the bomb to aguilar that kid was that guy just gets all over the place huge pi the ref's like throws it up uh and then i believe it was like third and one minute 55 to go and the raiders uh draw the dolphins offside so they got the ball they got dominant josh jacobs i believe it's second and goal josh jacobs get the handoff he's going he's going and he slides at the one uh he's trying to save clock he doesn't want to give the dolphins that much time back so eventually daddy carlson comes in puts the points <laughs> on the board um i believe the raider yeah the raiders missed an extra point earlier so the score at this point i believe is 25 to 23 and so then you have 20 seconds. Fitzmagic comes in, gets his helmet yanked to the side. He has no idea. Chucks it up. It's some bum. I think it's like Ford or something. I don't know. Catches it for like a 30-plus yard pass. Then they're now in range for a field goal. And then Daddy Sanders, 44-yarder, puts it in the post. What a beautiful moment. What a beautiful game. Saturday night football, you got to love it. Um, so that would be my game of the year. Just from the ending, I think that ending uh, – the final four minutes I don't think can be beat. So for me, the rest of the game wasn't that crazy, but those final four minutes to me are just – those were the best four minutes and most entertaining four minutes of football potentially we had this year. So I'm going to go with them as my best game of the season. Now we'll go on to the fun one. Biggest fantasy bust of the season. Mac, who are you giving this award to? There's one guy in specific. I bet you know who it is. I've been complaining about him all season until I got rid of him. And sadly, there were two guys. The two guys who I was gonna, who I'm gonna say in a minute. I had both. Oh, so of you have a co. Team. You have a co. Co winners. I had two of them on my team, and that's Le'Veon Bell is the runner up, and the biggest one, Kenyon Drake. I mean, this guy. I want. I'm just saying that he was ass. He was <laughs> He lost me games. And if you guys had either of these players, you know they lost you games. I don't even have to say stats. Everyone knows how bad they were. I mean, Kenyon Drake, his pat, his stats were padded. He had a, he averaged over the whole season 4.0 yards per carry or 4.1 or something like that. 
I mean, and that was even padded. It was all padded <laughs> on that Cowboys game, that 8.2 yard per carry game where he had 162 yards, I believe. But overall, 955 yards and touchdowns. I mean, all those came after I traded him away. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> all those came after I traded him away. But he literally five games above 4.0 carries, and that's what really padded his stats for the entire season. Other than that, I mean, he was averaging three yards per game. I mean, he was barely getting any yards, 60, 30 yards. I mean, he was absolutely atrocious. He, he lost everyone games. I don't even want to get into this. He was terrible. And Le'Veon Bell, uh, everyone knows what he did. Uh, just left. And then uh, once he got to the Chiefs, wasn't really a factor there. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell was one of those guys. If you go to uh, one of our beginning episodes on the channel, uh, I was huge on coming into the year. I thought he was going to have a big year on the Jets just because they had no weapons. But obviously ended up playing like one or two games there and was gone. My biggest bust of the year was someone that I personally experienced. I, I think that's where we're getting these guys yep. that personally screwed us over. But I truly do believe this guy was one of the biggest busts this year. And that is Lamar Jackson. Uh, highly regarded as the best quarterback in fantasy this year. was being picked in the second, third round. It usually is the first one. If not, maybe Mahomes goes before. But mm-hmm. I got baited somehow into the trap. I, I just one day fell in love with the idea of drafting Lamar Jackson. I couldn't couldn't resist myself so I was like oh I'm gonna get Lamar Jackson in the third round I traded up to get him and he was a stinker he finished as the 10th best quarterback which is a big ass big ass bust for someone who's trying to be the best one and regarded as the best and had a historic fantasy season he was trash he had six weeks under 20 points that's unacceptable Uh, as a quarterback you got to be hitting 20 at least he only averaged 22.2 and he broke 30 points once and in comparison uh, you're looking at the guy who was picked with him, Pat Mahomes in that area. Pat Mahomes broke 34 times and averaged 25. So big difference there in the points. Mm-hmm. Lamar's was, is, is also kind of padded by that 39, 30, 40 fantasy point game. He had that one game. I, I think it was against Cleveland. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you know, one of those games, total bum. Uh, he had a terrible season for fantasy. I know he started getting hot at the end, but at that point it just didn't matter. Lamar Jackson, you screwed me and you're the biggest fantasy boss. <laughs> And now for the final award on the Outside the Arena Awards show. I think we'll actually put this on OTA Clips, too, just to have there. Um, so if you're watching there, give us a like, subscribe, all that jazz. Most underrated player. This one's a little tough. Um, my approach was was kind of interesting on this one, but um, I saw your answer. So I'm, I'm, it, it, was a, it was a curious and it was a good one. So I want to hear what what your answer is. Who is your most underrated player in the league? I mean, this one, it took a lot of thinking. I'm, I was thinking, I'm like, who is it's the a hard one, underrated, yeah. underrated player? I'm looking around, I'm thinking, I'm going position by, by position in my head. I'm like, I know who, exactly who this kid is. It's the rookie, the Chicago Bear rookie wide receiver, Darnell Mooney. This kid, he's a stud, and I'm going to say it right now. I think in the next two or three years, He's going to be a Pro Bowl player, and I think even a top 10 receiver potentially with how well he played this year. His routes. Hot take. Clip it, folks. Clip Clip it. it. Clip it. This song clips for a reason. Clip (laughs) it. We're posting it all over the internet. Darna Mooney is going to be a stud. Going on the TikTok. Two, two, three years. This year, only four touchdowns. Kind of surprising, but you're looking. In nine games, 98 targets, 61 catches, 631 yards. And that's what Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. It's, it's he had 68 catches in nine games. Yep. That's actually kind of nuts. Yep. And not even the number one, number two to Allen Robinson. You know, Allen Robinson's going to get more looks than him. And you have two quarterbacks. I mean, thinking of that, for firsthand thinking of that, 
any quarterback. You switch quarterbacks, it's going to be a drop-off. This, you go from a bad quarterback to another bad quarterback. They're missing you wide open. And this kid, I think if he had a better quarterback, this could have easily been with nine games, I could say 800, 850 yard, uh, uh, 850 yards. I think just from that alone, a better quarterback, he could add a lot more yards and I'm excited to see what he does in the future. Uh, if you get a quarterback in there this year, I'm expecting him to have a huge season, even in a thousand yard season as soon as next year. I'm going to be honest with this one. I kind of ran out of time prepping, so I, <laughs> I didn't get a great answer. I don't love my answer. So I, I went to my jets and I chose, Quinn and Williams, the best probably player on the team, but I still think he's very underrated in the yeah. league. Um, seven sacks and three pass deflections this season, as well as 13 and a half tackles for loss. Very good season. I feel like after his rookie year, he was kind of ridden off. He had a bad year, and then he had, like, some gun charges or something that was not good. But, I mean, what do you expect from the dude? He's he's a weird kind of dude. I mean, he he had the whole, like, bless you, thank you thing. He's, like, blessing himself. It's <laughs> that, he's doing some weird, weird stuff. He's doing some weird stuff, but – this year was a huge year for him. I, I think it was a big step forward. Um, we'll see. Now he's got Robert Sala uh, coming in as oh. head coach. I'm excited to see what his future can hold. I feel like he could turn into a, a real superstar under Robert Sala. So Jets are in a good spot with him. He had a huge bounce back season from that atrocious rookie year uh, that many expected. You know, he went third overall. So, you know, there is that element. That's why I'm kind of not loving it because, you know, he was the third pick. So it's not like he's like some like not like unknown guy like Darnell Mooney. Like that was a good good move on yours, but I, I ran out of time. So I just went to my jets and I do true. I do believe Quinnen is underrated. Uh, so I'll go with him, but maybe not the most underrated in the league, but we're going with it. He's getting the award today. We're having fun here on outside the arena and that will do it for uh, the awards ceremony. Uh, you know, no live performances, unfortunately for this one. Uh, it's a shame. Maybe next time we'll get someone, some, some, maybe some Bruno Mars next time on the podcast yeah. for next year's next year's, outside the arena award show uh there it is nfl honors for us so that's gonna do it for that but now i guess we will uh jump in to the games last week i know i want to talk to you about the game that was first yep, uh yep, just yep. because we debated this one a lot last week and we're all over the place with it and that is the green bay packers and the Tampa bay buccaneers mr macaramo we're gonna start with you you said the Packers, they're going to win. They're going to come out strong. The, the Bucks can't do it. They're not good enough. They're not going to be able to, you know, deal with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't turn over the ball. He doesn't get sacked. Well, uh, yeah, he had uh, got sacked five <laughs> times and uh, threw an interception. So, yep. uh, what were you thinking on this? Obviously, there's some controversy at the end of the game, too, so you can touch on that. But overall, thoughts on the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting the Super Bowl, unlike uh, to your to, uh, to your much disdain, I think we all know who you're cheering for in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, this game, it was a great game, and the Packers. I mean, they had it. You're looking at a player. I think Kevin King really sold them this game. The first drive, you give up a touchdown. I'm like, okay, okay, that's normal. You're gonna give up a touchdown now. He had four but, tackles, second on the team in tackles. But you yeah, go, have a game. You go to the final few seconds at, of that second quarter. You know, Buccaneers having fun. They're just going for their Hail Mary. And I don't know what you're doing. Looking at looking this way. He's like Scotty Miller's just drifting off behind you. Wide open touchdown after that. He should have got benched. And you see, come back to the end of the game and uh last play of the game where uh or the last key play of the game where you need to get the stop, you get the ball back, put the ball back in Aaron Rodgers' hand and uh try and get a win. Gets pass interference and holding. You cannot do this. He should have been benched earlier. I'll just say that. But the Packers defense is really what killed them this game. 
what I said coming into this game, I think whoever will turn the ball over more is going to be the team that loses. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they Tom Brady threw three interceptions, and they still won. That's just going volumes and speaking volumes of how bad this Packers defense played. Three interceptions, you still give up 31 points. Uh, I mean, it's just atrocious. You really couldn't do much against the pass. Um and then a, a run game, I mean, just kind of average stats, which you would think. But the Packers offensively, if you're going to that end, Aaron Rodgers put up a good game, had that one interception. But uh, that run deep, that run offense, uh, that's that that really killed them. Couldn't control the clock like the Buccaneers could. And the Buccaneers really did it with the pass, too. Uh, they were controlling the clock with the pass, getting completions inbounds. And I think that was a real key to this. Uh, but overall, it was really just the Packers defense that screwed them this entire game. I think Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just a good team at this point. I think people have to stop underrating this defense. It's 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 a really good defense. The run defense is is incredible. It's, they can stop any run game, and they did it earlier in the season with the Packers, and they just did it again. Um, it really they ran the same defense that they ran in that in that week five or week six game. I mean, they just sent the blitz on Aaron Rodgers. He got sacked five five times. Shaquille Barrett had three sacks. He's showing you why he's one of the best outside linebackers in the league. Jason Pierre-Paul even got the quarterback. They were just getting to Aaron Rodgers. He had no time. And like you said, Brady had those three interceptions in the second half that was, were potential killers, but the Packers did nothing. Three and out both times uh, on, you know, the later two, latter two of dry years after dry years. They went three and out. And you can't be doing that. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, just watching some of those plays. If you watch them over, he had no, Aaron Rodgers had no time. There were just plays where he, he would get sacked. They would lose yards, and then they were just in a hole, and it was just downhill. But Tampa Bay does deserve a lot of credit offensively. They're a great team. Everyone knows that. Ronald or Leonard Fournette, what a touchdown run that was, by the way. That, that was a superior. That was a crazy run. He broke a ton of tackles on that, and then dove over Kevin King's head. So that's gonna be yep. funny. <laughs> um, um, the pass offense, Godwin. You know what? A, that crazy. He had that downfield catch too. That was- he like juggled, and that was a great one. Um, you know, he's obviously overcoming some some issues right now with the drops. He's he's lost some confidence as the years goes on, but hopefully this gets him on the right path. Mike Evans, touchdown in the red zone. That's what you want. Scotty Miller played good. Uh, Gronk, that you know, you forget about Gronk, and then on that little slip screen, he'll he'll bite you and he'll get he'll get his yards. Um, Cameron Braid's had a good year, but overall, I think the Buccaneers defense won them this game of just yeah. putting pressure on Aaron Rodgers, not letting that offense get explosive. They also held Devontae Adams to 67 yards. That's that's really important. You know, he got nine catches, but they weren't going anywhere with the catches. You know, it's short yardage, uh, and they contained him really well. And, you know, their secondary, they didn't have Antoine Winfield. They've got guys like Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy, Bunting, those guys are out there. Uh, and they're playing good, good, good football. So this week it'll be – or next week it'll be a big, big, bigger challenge for them for sure with the, the Chiefs rolling in. But really good game, and, and Tom Brady, you just can't doubt the man at this point. Yep, yep, yep. He Especially- is – Devonte Adams, they held him that first half, and I think that was also the key. Yeah. They didn't let him really get any catches until that second half, and that was probably the key to this game as well, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think after this game, I think Tom Brady's legacy is set in stone as the goat. I don't think there's any room for debate. I don't. I don't even think it's close anymore in the NFL. I don't think it's. It, it hasn't been close, but now it's like it's crazy. But besides the point, we'll move on to the Chiefs, who. Uh, I mean, they just did a massacre at this point. That's the only way to put this. 38-24, you go in, you know, the Bills' first drive, then you get a nice field goal. McCole Hardman muffs that punt. That was yeah. killer, almost almost killer. 
uh, for the Chiefs. I mean, I mean, it was, but they gave the touchdown, but they missed the extra point. And then from there, Chiefs just got moving as they do. Um, you know, Pat Mahomes, 325 yards, three touchdowns. You wouldn't even know this dude just entered concussion protocol and, and nearly died pretty much, it looked like, on the field. It's crazy. Um, you see the run game. Daryl, I mean, we thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was going to come in and have a good game. Daryl Williams has been running the ball, 13 for 52 and a tutty. Great game from him. And, uh, I mean, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, we'll say enough about those boys. Those guys are ridiculous. Um, Travis Kelsey is incredible, man. He is – he might – I think by the end of his career, he'll be the greatest tight end of all time, if he's already not already, honestly. Like, he's he's really up there when you think about it. Chiefs defense is always playing good football. I mean, that's kind of kind of deal with that. And then on the flip side, it's just running the football for Buffalo. They can't do it. It gives them no – no ability in the run game. You see Josh Allen here, 7 for 88, but we talk about the run and how important it is. The Buffalo Bills, without Josh Allen, ran the ball 11 times for, what is that, 41 yards? It can't happen. It's just not acceptable. Um, yeah, I mean, Devin Singletary sucks. This guy's a bum. 6 for 17. This guy needs to go. Um, it's it just this team needs to run the football. That's what they're missing right now. They're missing the run game. They're missing the O-line. The line's not there yet. But Josh Allen, you know, did what he could. It wasn't his best performance by any means out there. You know, you saw Stephon Diggs, only 77 yards. He's He probably had to be a bigger factor. But, um, you know, the Chiefs are just a tough team to compete with. The Bills put up a great effort, fantastic season for them. Great to see the city of Buffalo get their uh, get their almost championship team. But they'll be back, but um, still not quite on level of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep, completely agree with everything you said there. And I'm uh, I'm looking right at that running game. As we've said, the entire playoffs is the team that could run the ball better. They've won. And the Bills, they haven't figured it out, not even once. They've got lucky really winning some of these games prior uh, to this game, uh, not being able to run the ball. But you're not going to be able to win with Josh Allen doing it, both with his arm and his legs. You, you, you have to have someone else aid them, aid him in, uh, in the run game. He can't be doing it with his legs if you want to win. He can't be – the running back of the team and the quarterback of the team. It's just not going to work. And Stefan Diggs, uh, you're looking at him as a key player coming to this game. You need him to have a big game against the defense who is really underrated. He comes in and he just puts up an average performance. Uh, well, I mean, most uh, – For his, for his yeah. standards. Yeah. yeah, for his sake, an average performance. And Cole Beasley, the second team all pro somehow, <laughs> leads the team in receiving yards. But the defense, the Bills, that's what needed to come up big. And that was – really the highlight of this team kind of all season, a consistent part of this team. And then uh, they, they weren't able to get it done. Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, as you said, he wouldn't even notice that uh, he was in concussion protocol, put up over 300 yards as expected. The run game, as you said, you really couldn't get it going with Clyde edwards Alaire. But this is the thing I'm, I'm going to say with the Chiefs and why I think they're so special. You see the McCole Hardman drop, as you said, on the kick return. But right away, you see the Chiefs don't want to get him to – don't want him to lose confidence. The next driver, or driver two after, right away they get in the five yard line, screen pass, touchdown, gets his confidence up. You see the players going on the sideline, going to help him and hype him up, but you're not seeing that with. Any, but no other team is doing this really. They're not helping players who are down. They just get down together. It seems like, and that's why the Chiefs seem to be so special. They're just having fun, and if something happens, if something goes wrong, they fix it and they get that player involved. So. They're right back all on the same page. And I think that's what makes the Chiefs so special. And as you said, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, unstoppable duo. One of them is – actually, I'm not even saying one of them. Both of them are always going to have 100-plus yards in a game. And Honestly, I, at this point, yeah. crazy. 
And Travis Kelsey said he'd go down as the greatest of all time. And I'm really surprised that people even were having conversations of him versus George Kittle. I, I, I don't think <laughs> there's no con- – It's not It's not remotely not close. close. No, it's, it's not. It's not close. Travis Kelsey is a monster. And then the defense, as I said, you're stopping Josh Allen and, and everything. And I'm looking at a player like Legereus Sneed. I've been bringing up his name kind of all Great. season, making a play. Uh I, I don't know why I thought he got the interception, but he's really a lockdown corner at this point. It kind of seems like yeah. it's it's insane. He's containing all these great players, maybe not to elite numbers, but good numbers. And that's all you have to do. Stop them from being what they normally are. And he does that. And that's what's special about this team and their defense. Chiefs are great. And it's going to be really hard to stop them for the next few years. Yeah. I mean, you said it kind of perfectly, to be honest with you there. Um, oh, I already went, but <laughs> yeah, um, the one thing, the one thing I was going to say, um, yeah, I just zoned out for a second. Um, you look at the chiefs offense, they literally passed the two guys and that's it. Like Kelsey Tyreek got what? 22 catches. The rest of the team had like seven for like 30 yards or something like stupid. Like they just don't, it's crazy. They run their offense through like two players and it's just unstoppable. And the one thing about Kelsey that's really interesting is like, if you actually watch his route running, like. There's nothing like crazy fancy about it. Like it honestly surprises me like how good this guy is when I watch him. It's just like, it's just, he's so good, but, and he just gets so open, but it's just like, it's like, he's not doing anything. That's like, he's not like George Kittle's like superhuman strength. You know, it's not like that kind of deal. It's, it, it's he's just a great route runner, but it, it's not like a, he's a sneaky, great route runner. You know, it's not one of those guys. who's like a flashy kind of guy, but it's, it's interesting. It's really cool to watch, honestly. It's really cool to watch. Yeah, and you're looking at all the different kind of plays they can do with them, like those uh, – I don't even remember what yeah, Tony yeah. Romo was calling it, but you look in the red zone, they're faking it. They're throwing it to him right in between the offensive linemen for the touchdown. Really it awesome, seems like almost yeah. every game. I mean, it's just how they could use these guys in different ways and ways that no other team – no other teams could use their players and tight ends. It's, it's just spectacular. Yeah, you know, in the Super Bowl, you all you see – once they get in the red zone, you'll see something. I mean, last year, I'm pretty sure they pulled that little, like – they hit, like, the – they did, like, the turnaround <laughs> type thing. That was pretty cool. But um, they always have some stuff. I mean, they've run that Kelsey play four times yeah. this year now, and teams have just no idea what to do. So, I think they ran it twice in that game, too, yeah, if so, I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. Like, Were those workers touchdowns? No, no. He didn't get the he, – he got stopped the first time, but then the second time he – he got it but weird weird one but that will uh i guess we'll we'll do a little preview of the super bowl here chiefs bucks we're gonna go fully in depth on this next week breaking down specifics keys game plan elements we're gonna go all out next week maybe even have some of the players no i'm kidding we're not gonna probably <laughs> get the players on the teams you never know um never know. probably not <laughs> we'll see we'll see maybe we'll try and get a guest next week to talk about the super bowl but chiefs bucks um, I know you're surprised that the Bucks are in this. Uh, you've you've doubted them all year. You've doubted them. Um, yep. Oh, Sneed's questionable versus the Bucks. That'd be bad. That'd be big. But um, big. But we'll see what happens. But Mac, what are your early thoughts? Not predictions quite yet. We'll do that next week. But early thoughts on the Super Bowl, key for both teams, and and just you know, if you're you know, what what are you thinking is going to happen in this game? I mean, it's it's uh, the GOAT versus the kid right now, and I think that's going to be the key matchup everyone's going to be looking forward to. But don't forget, don't forget, it's Le'Veon Bell versus Antonio Brown. <laughs> you can never forget that that matchup. It's a good storyline. Yep. 
This game, I mean, you have on both sides players that are unstoppable. Tom Brady, Gronk for the Buccaneers. They've always got it done in the Super Bowl, no matter how Gronk has really played uh, throughout the entire season. They come out, they somehow find a way to make plays in the Super Bowl, and I think that's something that the Buccaneers are going to look to do, go to their reliable targets who have been in the big game and know how to win these big games. And I think that's how they're going to win uh, – how they're going to try and find a way to win this game. But on the other hand, for the Chiefs last year and this year too, winning with speed and just getting open. You have McCole Harmon, Byron Pringle, um, Tyreek Hill, of course, all these fast guys who could flex out wide. You could do jet sweeps and everything with. So you're going to have to get fancy against the Buccaneers who, as you said, they're getting a lot of pressure now. Their defense is getting a lot better and is really underrated right now. So you're going to have to do some special plays as the Chiefs have done really throughout the entire season. They're going to have to keep it consistent and uh, keep the Buccaneers on their toes offensively and defensively for the Chiefs. You're just going to really have to contain some of these receivers. Legereus Sneed, a big name, as you said, he's questionable, but if, if he's out, I think the Buccaneers could have a crazy good day passing the ball. Um, you're really going to only have, what, Tyron Matthew back there to help some of these other cornerbacks uh, who may not be as good. I mean, Brashad Breland, that'll be your best guy. Uh, like, How confident are you against Mike Evans or Chris Godwin um, with him out there as your number one? I'm not sure about that. So it's, it's going to be a battle between these receivers and how fancy each team could get with their play calling. So, uh, uh, yeah, this is going to be a good game. Yeah, I think this it's got to be the most hype surrounding a Super Bowl in, the, in a while, I think, with Mahomes versus Brady. Um, it's going to be a good, good game. Uh, I mean, if you do look at the Chiefs-Bucks game earlier in the year, the Chiefs, I mean, that's the game Tyree killed. had like 300 receiving yards. Yeah. So Tyree Kill, I expect to have a huge game. Um, he'll be good, but, you know, the Bucks are going to have to adjust their game plan. They're going to change what they did. So it's going to be a different Bucks defense. Both teams on both sides are going to have key questionables, key potential inactives. You got on the Bucks, AB, not sure if he's 100% yet. Chiefs, you got LeJarrius Sneed, uh, Sammy Watkins. I mean, they, he had a great game in the Super Bowl last year, so they definitely want him there. Um, oh, did you, know, that true- did you see that bet by some guy betting on Sammy Watkins? It was like three bets. The first two were like he could win 100000 for each if he gets the first touchdown of the game, and then the first touchdown of the Chiefs, he could win $200,000. I don't know why you're wasting your money in the on- Super Bowl. Yep, yep. I don't know why someone wasted their money on Sammy Watkins for that. But- Wait, how much did he? How much did he bet on? I think he must have bet 7, a lot. Thousand down on both of them. Seven thousand. Like yeah, seven thousand. Those odds are good. Seven to win two two hundred grand. I mean, I mean, if you can achieve get the ball, Sammy Watkins first touch in the game, that guy's gonna be- have a good night. That would, that would, that would be. <laughs> but, a um, that would be a story. Yeah, we'd have to have that guy on the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Keen Actives potentially on both sides, so that'll be important to watch. But I mean, this game's gonna be great, like you said, Mahomes versus Brady. The power of that Chiefs offense, the power of the Bucks offense, Bucks defense is probably better than the Chiefs defense, I'll be honest. Um, I think it's gonna be a turnover game. I think whoever turns over the ball more is gonna lose this game. I don't think it's gonna be like Packers where the Bucks are gonna get away with turning over the ball. I don't think you get away with turning over the ball against the Chiefs, that doesn't really happen. So to me, whoever turns the ball away the most will lose this game. I feel like the run game, if Ronald Jones can have a huge game on the ground, the Bucks will be in a really good position. Or Leonard Fournette. Um, Chiefs, to me, their run game just done. I don't think it's going to be dominant or explosive. I just don't expect that. Um, so the Bucks have the ability to really dominate the run game, two clock, but um, Chiefs aren't a, aren't a joke. Their run defense is very solid. Their defense – Seems like they dilly dally in the regular season, but when you know it comes playoff time, this defense is not playing games. They are uh, 
one of the best units in the NFL, honestly. It looks like you got Dirty Dan, Big Frank, Big Chris. You got Mr. Tyran. You got, you know, a bunch of guys that, you know, Daniel Sorensen's just Dirty Dan. I, you got to love the dude. But <laughs> I, not really. He had the dirty hit, but. Maybe he'll um, open up more snaps this week with uh, Willie Gay out. Maybe. I mean, he plays a lot already, though. Daniel Sorensen is like, he's yeah. all over the place. Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys that you look at and you're like, hmm, why is this guy not like, he's just a hard player. I guess that he, he plays hard. But yeah, that's kind of my thoughts right now on this. Um, yeah, next week we're going to have big coverage on the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, stay tuned on, on both our channels. OTA Clips will hopefully get some, some stuff there on the Super Bowl potentially too. But um, yeah, that's kind of all I got right now on that. I don't know if you have anything else or uh, what are you thinking? All right. Uh, whatever you think, uh, I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good too. I think, uh, I think it's a good episode. And uh, next week, guys, Super Bowl Sunday obviously is a week from Sunday. So a week from when you're, you're going to be seeing this when this comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a big week. We'll, we'll, have, uh, we'll have our normal episode, hopefully some clips maybe. And then after that, uh, the podcast, you know, we're going to be getting a lot of guests on. That's our goal. Um, we're going to be filling a lot of time with the guests. We're going to be talking baseball. We're going to be talking more basketball even too. And, you know, whatever you guys want to hear us talk about, whatever you guys want to debate, if even you – if Jesus, if even if some of you want to come on like OTA Clips or something like that, we'd love that too. We'd have a blast doing that. That's a great channel for that now. Um, so, you know, like I said – I'll let Mac wrap this up in a sec, but if you haven't already subscribed to this channel, obviously go do that. And then OTA clips as well. Link will be in the bio. That's where we got our breaking news type stuff uh, and more, you know, relaxed kind of stuff with friends too on there. Uh, it's a great channel. We both love making videos over there. So yeah, stay tuned for all our content and uh, Mac, why don't you wrap this up for us? Yep. Well said everyone, make sure you like comment and subscribe, not only on this channel, but go over and head to OTA clips on YouTube. Uh, as Griffin said, breaking news and all that kind of good stuff over there. Make sure to like comment, subscribe there as well. Uh, and make sure to follow us on our socials. Our Instagrams are Mac.Rommel. Griffin's Instagram is Griffin Sonic. Our podcast Instagram is outside the arena podcast. And as always, we thank you all for watching. We hope you stay safe and uh, be ready for a great Super Bowl podcast episode next week.